This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the best experiences in my life was my seminary experience. I really thoroughly enjoyed my time in seminary. I went to seminary at Memphis Theological Seminary. It is a seminary in the town of Memphis, thus getting its name. Um, but it, it, was, it was a great experience for me. And there were two, two things I really liked about my seminary experience. One was the fact that this seminary was basically a, a place that a lot of pastors that were serving w- went to. So what I mean by that is this. The vast majority of my classmates that I attended school with were already pastors. They were serving churches all over the Mid-South, in the Delta, and North Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, Missouri, that whole little Mid-South area. The majority of us in seminary were actually already preaching. So what then happened is that our classes were not simply just academic in nature. They weren't simply, well, what did Wesley say about this or what did Calvin say about this? But they were classes where we were taking the things that we learned in class and then said, well, how does that affect us in ministry? How does what Wesley said about this affect how we preach? How does what Luther said about this affect how we do pastoral care? How do these academic concepts actually affect our day-to-day ministry? And that was neat to sit and learn from not only professors, but to sit and learn from classmates about what they were doing in ministry. So that was one of the joys of my seminary experience. But the second was this. The seminary that I attended, MTS, was a very, very, very diverse seminary. There were over 30 different denominations on campus. Literally, there were pretty much pastors from every Christian tradition that you could find in the South, at least. They were Methodist and Baptist and Presbyterians and Pentecostals. Here, here was the neat thing about my seminary, is that the two largest Denominations at the seminary, the seminary was Presbyterian, but the two largest denominations on campus were United Methodist and the Church of God in Christ. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Church of God in Christ. It's often shortened to Kojic is what we call it. It is an African-American Pentecostal body. So your two largest groups were Methodist and Pentecostals. That's fun, y'all. <laughs> we had a lot of interesting conversations. One of my favorite moments was um, because, the, because the seminary is Presbyterian in nature, in the Presbyterian tradition, most pastors, ironically, don't serve churches while they're in seminary. So while the vast majority of us were serving, there was a strong minority of pastors that weren't serving. So as part of that, your last year, you take a class called Preaching Practicum which is where you basically learn how to lead a worship service in your tradition. So my Presbyterian friends would, this was for students. Like we would, the class was also the congregation. So I would lead my friends in a Methodist service. And my, my Presbyterian friends would lead us in a Presbyterian service. Our Pentecostal friends would lead us in a, in a Pentecostal service. But it was a lot of fun. We learned from each other. And one of my, my favorite things was my, my, my Pentecostal friend one day. And then when, the, when we finished the service, we would have a time of question and answer. Like, well, why did you do that? Or what was that about? To explain, but also to help us think through questions our, our church may have. And my, my Pentecostal friend one day after I led my service said, well, Andy, what are you going to do 
if the Holy Spirit leads you to do something that's not in the bulletin. Like he, lo- he couldn't go with the fact that we had a bulletin. He just couldn't, he couldn't wrap his mind around that. He said, what are you going to do if the Holy Spirit leads you to do something that's not in the bulletin? And I said, first, the Holy Spirit's not going to do that. It's not going to happen. I said, secondly, if the Holy Spirit was going to do that, he would let me know by Thursday so I could put in the bulletin. He said, Andy, what would you do if one Sunday somebody in your church stood up and yelled, amen? I said, I look at him and go, shh, we're in church. So we had a lot of fun just picking with each other, learning from each other. But I love I loved that diversity there. And it was so cool. It really was a neat experience to have so many different Christians together from so many different groups to learn from each other. It, it, was, a, it was a fascinating experience for me. And it really kind of, it, it was a blessing. But if we didn't handle it right, it could have also been a curse. Because think about how often we as Christians allow our differences to divide us. When you have that many Christians with that many different theologies on baptism and communion and every different issue out there, you had that many differences. How could, that could have gotten ugly, couldn't it? But it didn't. It was beautiful. You know why? Because in the center of our life together, we didn't place our differences. In the center of our life together, we didn't place what made us different in all these different ways. What we did was in the center of our existence, we placed Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ is in the center of our lives, it makes our differences beautiful. But when our differences are in the middle of our life together, we'll kill each other. When Jesus Christ is in the center, he makes all things beautiful and glorious. But when we put ourselves in the center, we always tear each other down and tear ourselves down. I often say that I'm a theological mutt is what I am. Uh, I'm a Methodist pastor. They went to a Baptist college and a Presbyterian seminary. So I figure I've got skin in the game no matter who's right is the way I look at it. But I love that. I think that's actually very Wesleyan if you go back and look at John Wesley's existence. I mean, my my greatest influences theologically are are John Wesley, but also uh, also, uh, St. Augustine and St. Francis and St. Benedict. My, my, My favorite professor in seminary was a it was Dr. Nick, who was a charismatic Catholic. Bet you didn't know they made those, did you? But that's what Dr. Nick was. I mean, I love Tim Keller, who's a Presbyterian pastor. He's one of my favorite preachers out there today. I love C.S. Lewis, who is Anglican. I mean, I've been influenced by, by the broad spectrum of Christianity. And I think that's incredibly helpful. Because when you go back and look at the early Methodists, that's what they were. The early Methodists were, were Anglicans and Congregationalists and, and Presbyterian and Baptist and all these different things. And they weren't defined by their theology in as much as they were defined by the fact that they wanted to know Jesus. And they wanted to follow him. And they wanted to be obedient to him. And that's what made that, all their differences so beautiful is the fact that they were defined by Jesus Christ above all else. 
One of, one of our favorite John Wesley sermons is a sermon he preached called The Catholic Spirit. If you haven't, if you haven't read it, you need to, need to Google it this afternoon and take time to read. Read a modern English version, though. It's, you can read the old English version, but it's modern. More, it's more fun. Um, he has this great line in this sermon. We says, if thy heart has been warmed as my heart has, then give me your hand. What does that mean? In other words, if, if you know Jesus like I know Jesus, if you've experienced Jesus, if you've put your complete faith in him, if you follow him, if he is your Lord, then give me your hand. We might not always agree with each other. We might not always be on the same page about every issue. We might not always feel the same about everything in the world. But if you know Jesus like I know Jesus, then we're family. And we're going to live together. And we're going to walk together. And we're going to serve together. And we're going to laugh together. If your heart has been warmed as my heart has, then give me your hand. That to me is the heart of what the church should be about. And the heart of what the church should look like. If your heart has been warmed as my heart has, then give me your hand. We see in the text we read today, we see this interesting thing happening. Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus. And what you see in Ephesus is this. You see a great division among the two basic groups of early Christians. One were those that were Jewish in nature. And those and others that were Gentile in nature. And if you go back and look in the Old Testament, one of my favorite books in the Bible is Leviticus, believe it or not. You're thinking, oh, you're dumb. That's a terrible book to like. Tell you why I like Leviticus. Two reasons. Leviticus is about two things. People of God are called to work. People of God are called to worship. People of God are called to be different. If we look like the world, then why be us? We've got to be different, y'all. We've got to be different from the world we live in. I mean, your, your old friend Steve Castile called that countercultural. That's exactly right. Well, the Jews in the entire Old Testament were told this, be different, be distinct. Don't eat with Gentiles, be different, be different, be different, be different. Now, in, in Christianity, they're told this, hey, it's okay to eat with Gentiles. It's okay to eat food that was unclean. You don't have to live by the law. He says, Christ put to death the law. And so for these Jews, they had spent their entire life living a certain way, living with certain purity codes, living with certain Levitical codes, living with certain feasts and fasts, and doing all these things this way. And that's what they were used to. That was their experience. That was their faith. That's what they knew. So that's how they lived. That was part of the church. Then the other part of the church were the Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't know the Old Testament, didn't know the law, didn't know the purity codes, and frankly didn't care. It didn't matter to them. So you've got the Jews over here, the Jewish believers that were used to living by the law, and the Gentile believers that didn't care about the law. And they got to fussing and fighting. They got to fussing and fighting. Well, I think to be a Christian means this. Well, I think to be a Christian means this. And they were just going to war with each other. They were just going to war with each other. Go back and look at some of the things Paul writes in Galatians, where Paul says, I even had to correct Peter because he got confused. These early Christians were going to war with each other over their differences. 
And that's why Paul says this. He says, and Jesus Christ came. He came and preached peace to you, that those of you that were near, i.e. the Jews. And he preached peace to you who were far away, i.e. the Gentiles. He preached peace to both of you so that out of the two of you, he can make one new body. Out of two groups that are different and have different views and different beliefs and different stuff, out of these two groups... He can make one new body. And how does he do this? He preached peace. But then Paul says this. He says, but he is your peace. Your peace is found in nowhere else but Jesus Christ. Your peace is not found in your circumstance because circumstances change. Your your peace is not found in your success because success can quickly turn to defeat. Your your peace is not found in your resources because resources can be lost. Your peace is not found in anything but Christ because anything else but Christ can fall apart. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says here that he is our peace. He is is our cornerstone he is our salvation he is our life he is our peace and what he wants to do is to take two and make one and that's the call of the church y'all i love the beauty of our church y'all my goodness what a fun church to serve y'all are there's always something new and exciting and challenging, and I love it. It's life-giving to me. It's, it's challenging to me. It's thriving to me. It's so energetic to me. I'll come home, and I'll just be talking to Holly about this and that and this and that. She'll want to give me a Benadryl and send me to bed, you know, worse than the kids sometimes. But what we do in a church as big as ours, in a church as distinct as ours, in a church that's as broad as ours, is we can sometimes focus on our differences. And, yeah, we got differences, and that's Okay. My church of God, buddy, he was not going to be a Methodist. (laughs) I can tell you that. And that's okay. That's okay. Because you know what? He loved Jesus. And he was going to go forth to the place that God had sent him and be faithful and take that name of Jesus with him. And our friendship was not based upon our differences. Our friendship was based upon what we held in common. And that thing that we held in common was Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. He is the rock. He is the foundation. And in our lives, if we ever put anything other than Jesus Christ in the middle, we're setting ourselves up for defeat. In the church... If we put individual ministries or individual services or individual likes and dislikes ahead of Jesus, then we're setting ourselves up for defeat. And the culture, okay, I might might better whisper this part, y'all. Broadmoor is not our competition. Neither is Madison UMC, nor Parkway, nor Pine Lake nor any other body of Christ. You know what they are? They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And they're not our enemies. They're our family. 
You know who our enemy is? The one who came to steal, kill, and destroy. We wage war against the forces of evil in spiritual places, what Paul said. We never compete with another church, ever. They're our family, y'all. If your heart's been warmed as my heart has, then give me your hand. We're Methodists. We want to take scriptural holiness across the land and change as many lives as possible. Now, that said, I think St. Matthew's is pretty awesome. <laughs> I think we're a pretty awesome church. I'd want to go here if I was just in town. But no other church is ever our competition. Our only enemy is the devil. But here's the thing, y'all. There's folks all around us. I haven't seen the exact stats in Madison, but if Madison's like every other town I've ever been in, at least half the population's unchurched. That means half the folks all around us aren't in church right now. I'd wager the busiest place in Madison this morning is Walmart. More folks will go through the doors of Walmart than any church in Madison today. Some of them aren't in church because of bad experiences. Some of them aren't in church because of disagreements. Some of them aren't in church because of who knows why. But you know what I know? Jesus Christ died for those people. Jesus Christ came to save those people. And Jesus Christ put us here to impact those people. He's put us here to change the world. To make a difference. To impact folks where they are. But here in the church and here in the world, we've got to always remember this. That he is our cornerstone. He is our rock. He is our foundation. He is our, our, our safe harbor. He is our resting place. He is our safe place. And nothing other than him will keep us safe, keep us protected, keep us at peace, and keep us alive. Christ alone, cornerstone. There's a, there's a modern Christian song you may have heard on K-Love, if you ever listen to K-Love, called, that, that's a, a, a modern version of My Hope is Built, but then the chorus is that Christ alone, cornerstone. Now, I love the parable Jesus tells about the, the house built upon the rock. Two houses built, one was on the rock, one was on the shifting sands. And he said this, he says, when the storm came, the house of the rock survived, the house of the shifting sand was destroyed. But words matter to me. And you know what Jesus said? He said, when the storm came. Not if the storm comes, but when the storm came. Y'all, I wish I could protect you from troubles. I wish I could protect you from pain. I wish I could protect you from tears and hurt and loss and those other things. Gosh, I wish I could. It'd make me so happy as your pastor. I wish that I could do that, but I can't. I know this. Storms will come. Troubles will come. Trials will come. And when that comes, if we've placed in the middle, our differences will fall apart. If we place in the middle our stuff, we'll, our house will collapse. But if we have place in the middle of the life of our church, and if we place in the middle of the life of our family, and if we place in the middle of our very own lives, Jesus Christ, the storms will come. 
But it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Because he is Lord. And that's so though all hell should endeavor to shake. I will never, no, never, no, never forsake. When he is in the middle of our lives, we have life. When anything else is in the middle of our lives, we have war. So today, in your life, what is your cornerstone? Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for the grace that we know through Jesus Christ. May we always have Christ in the center of our lives. And may we live in his power, his grace, his mercy at all times. We love you so very much. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen.